Welcome to Feeding the Flock, Season 9, and our expositions through the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. We are currently in chapter 12, verse 7. Hello, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading, why don't we? Right away in verse 7 of chapter 12 of the book of 2 Corinthians. Paul writes this, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So we are in the middle of this larger context, you might say, of Paul the Apostle vindicating himself and even even throughout this passage where he wants to defend himself from his opposition. He does so in a strategic way. He does so in uh, a, almost a humble way, if you want to call it that. He knows that in some ways he's entering into an arena of, uh, of exposing uh, this, this uh, uh, technique of capturing people's hearts, and he's entered into this arena uh, defending himself, which is very, very foolish, and he understands it's foolish. He understands the boasting is foolish, but he wants to clarify exactly what's going on, and in order to do that, he uh, examines himself, and, and uh, that is, he he uh, uh, elucidates the various things that have comprised his ministry, uh, his character. That is uh, what he talked about in chapter 10. Then his conduct and his conflicts, uh, those are in chapter 11. And then in the uh, first part of chapter 12 is his credentials as an apostle, the way he wants to present it. And that means in terms of the revelations he received, as well as the signs that he exhibited as being an apostle. And that's that's where we are. The revelations is verses 1 through 10 of chapter 12. And uh, then in uh, verses 11 through 18 are the signs that uh, he's going to talk about later. Now, these revelations have two parts to them in some regards. It has to do with the revelation of heaven, and that's the story he just talked about in verses 1 through 6 of chapter 12. The fact that he was caught up into paradise, the the place where God abides, that place beyond our physical universe, you might say, our material uh, uh, 
uh, status as as the creation and into the very presence of God in some form or shape. We He doesn't even uh, know whether or not his body came with him or not, uh, but he has this experience. He calls it the third heaven, and that means it's beyond the heaven of the atmosphere of the earth, and it's beyond the heaven of the, uh, the space that contains the sun and the moon and the stars and the galaxies. And so it's someplace beyond that. And that's where he went, evidently. He was supernaturally transported into that realm, into that dimension, if you want to call it that. And uh, and yet, in that, uh, he, he was given nothing to say. There was no revelation in a technical sense, except just the experience of being transported and then being reestablished back on earth, uh, just like normal. And, uh, and so, uh, regardless of the experience, he wasn't given anything as far as anything to say or anything to talk about or anything to describe when he was there. He gives no details. Well, that's a little disappointing when you're, when you're waiting for the details and he doesn't give you any, but that shows you something about both the humility of Paul as well as the way that God has designed this experience and designed the way that Paul is allowed to talk about it at all. And and this uh, takes away all of this bragging and all this boasting and all these these, uh, subjective experiences that all these false apostles want to bring out. And they do so in great amount of detail and description. And Paul just says, I went and I came back and I, I I'm not allowed to say anything else. Well, that in itself is a testimony uh, of of the reality of what went on and of the authority that Paul has because he doesn't stoop so low as to embellish this thing with lots of descriptions and lots of feelings and emotions and lots of words, and uh, it just happened. But now we have words. Ah, you see, it is now he has a revelation. It's not about the experience of this uh, this supernatural transportation thing. It's not about that at all. It's about what God wants to say in him, to him, and through him. And here it comes. And that's the way he starts. He says, and and this, uh, he talked about the revelation of heaven. Now he talks about the revelation of humility, uh, beginning in verse seven, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. So Paul says, now that I have this experience and now that after 14 years, I'm talking about it. I want you to know why I haven't talked about it. It's because that there is always a potential for spiritual pride. You see, this isn't about bragging about something earthly. This is about bragging about something God did. Paul didn't do this. He didn't enter into a trance of his own making with, with lots of magical chants and uh, and uh, uh, a recipe of a special potion or or anything like that. He 
This happened to him. This was a passive thing as far as Paul is concerned. And so he says, even that, even because that was my experience, then I needed, uh, evidently, uh, Paul says, I needed something to keep me humble because I had experienced this thing and, and it was real and it was it was beyond what anybody else around me had experienced. It was this was something different than than encountering the Lord Jesus, where He came into my presence on the road to Damascus and confronted me. This is a different experience, where why I went into His presence in the third heaven, and so He says. Uh, there was always a potential for me to take pride in that. And so for 14 years, evidently, uh, we don't know how long he had this particular thing, but it was, it's called a thorn in the flesh. And uh, so Paul uh, uh, had seen a bright light on the road to Damascus. Now he was taken into the very throne room or throne room of God with, without any words, nothing to say, nothing to describe. He comes back speechless and he says, but even in my speechlessness about what had ha- occurred to me, I could not talk about it. And in fact, I was given this thing that bugged me so that I wouldn't exalt myself. I wouldn't boast about it. I wouldn't tell about it. I wouldn't be prideful even in my own experience as if I had anything to do with it. And uh, and so this thorn was given to me. Well, there's lots and lots of explanations about what this thorn is in Paul's flesh. Now, first of all, I believe I believe that in this context, he's talking about the flesh of his physical body. I don't believe he's talking about the flesh of his uh, his old nature. And uh, although in other places, that's that is the in the context in which it's used a lot of times in the New Testament is talking about that old nature or that thing in us that causes us to be less than uh, God wants us to be or to do habits that we we know are not associated with Christ, and that's the flesh that causes us to be motivated to do those things. And yet, that's not what he's talking about here in this passage. I believe this has to do with his own physical body. And it may very well be some sort of a an illness or an ailment or an affliction of some sort that uh, that was allowed to happen. Notice it is a thorn in the flesh as a messenger of Satan. Now, I do believe that uh, even though you could take this out of context and take the phrase messenger of Satan and make it say a demon, which would be accurate uh, in that regard, if that's all you had to go by. But that's not the way Paul phrased this. And and that's the reason the translators translate it as a messenger, because I don't believe this was a demonic activity. This was a physical thing, but the physical thing was given as a messenger even from the enemy, and God allowed it. That's what's very strange, don't you think? And yet, this is a part of the plan of God to keep Paul's pride in 
check. So if Paul was intending to say, I had, I got tormented by a demon, he would say that first. He would say, uh, it was given me a messenger of Satan as a thorn in the flesh. He would have said it the other way around. And that that's, that's not what he said. He said a thorn in the flesh as a messenger from the enemy to keep me humble. And, uh, so there's lots of theories about what it might have been, uh, lots of physical disabilities or ailments or diseases even. Uh, it might have been a severe migraine, headache, or, or an earache, or maybe epilepsy, or malaria, or depression, or troublesome people in Paul's life might have qualified as thorns in the flesh. Uh, a Jewish unbelief, his own Jewish brethren rejecting his Messiah Jesus. That was a, a constant burden for Paul. Was that the thorn? Uh, the memory of his of his own past, maybe that was a thorn, that he had persecuted Christians and was responsible in some regards for some martyrdoms that had occurred. At least one, at least he, he identified with it, even though he didn't uh, participate directly in the action of the martyrdom of Stephen. He was there and he was supporting the whole thing and, uh, and he was behind that persecution. Was that the thing that plagued Paul? Well, it could have been something more physical. It might have been something like an eye disease. Well, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break here, and we'll be back with a little more explanation of this, although uh, we don't want to get too bogged down on exactly what it was, because Paul doesn't give us exactly what it was, and I think that's a reason to uh, just continue on. And so we'll be back right after this short break. talking about exactly what was this thorn in Paul's flesh to keep him humble, keep him from exalting himself. And uh, we can't really can't come up with an exact uh, definition of what that might have been. And I think there's a reason for that. Uh, the reason, I believe, is so that all of us in reading this passage, regardless of what uh, we may have to face, we can put that in there, you might say, because Paul doesn't identify it directly. And so since he doesn't, then we can associate ourselves and say, I know what that feels like because I have this or I have that. And if Paul Paul had specified it exactly, then we would just walk away and go, well, I don't have that. And uh, that's Paul's thing, and I have something different. So there is reasons for that, although I do want to at least give you some suggestions of uh, of what I think uh, Paul might have hinted at, at least uh, 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 maybe as a direct result 
or a, a, that is a, a long-term effect, you might say, of his original experience uh, with the, the encounter of Jesus on the road to Damascus and the glory of God that caused him to, to basically be blind. And evidently, even after being healed of, of this blindness, uh, yet there may have been some physical long-term effects that showed up much, much later in Paul's life life uh, in his own eyes, in his retinas or his, his uh, corneas, or, or somehow it developed into what some people have called ophthalmia or, or chronic ophthalmia, and, uh, uh, and that uh, is very serious. And in fact, it's hinted at in Galatians chapter 4. I just want to read this passage and just to show you as a hint of what Paul may have given us about what this thorn might have been, but we really don't have an absolute answer. But here's here goes this. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, it says, but you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. And evidently this somehow stalled his um, his itinerary long enough for him to stay in the Galatian uh, church. And so so he says, uh, and that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe. Evidently, this, this disease or this affliction had some sort of an impact on his audience. It's like they, they couldn't quite look at him directly because of, of uh, visibly this was a, a, a pitiful, pitiful thing to look at. And, and Paul realized that, that it's this not a comfortable thing to watch me preach when I have this disease uh, here. And he says, um, you did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself where then is that sense of blessing you had? For I bear you witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. And that may have been a hint of what Paul's affliction may have been. There may have been lots of watering eyes there. there may, he may have had to wipe his eyes often because of this particular disease. And, uh, or this particular uh, affliction, whatever it was. And in fact, uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, he says this, he says, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Again, it's a hint that perhaps uh, this was an eye uh, uh, difficulty, something to do with his eyes. And um, uh, again, it's just a hint, and I don't, uh, I don't know anything for certain, but the picture does sort of seem to go together if you attach those passages to each other. So the real thing about this isn't about the detail or whether or not we can nail down absolutely what this affliction was. What was this? The point is it did its job in making and keeping Paul's humble uh, uh, attitude and character so that he wouldn't exalt himself over this supernatural experience. And uh, he says, 
uh, verse 8, concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. Do you realize that that this idea that that an encounter, a direct encounter with, with Christ or the presence of God or the presence of Christ in his glorified state, those encounters have left physical results in lots of people uh, like uh, uh, like Paul's own blindness, for instance, for instance, in Acts chapter nine, or the trembling that affected Daniel, as well as no strength that Daniel had. He was exhausted and sick for days in Daniel chapter eight. He says, uh, and because of this this tremendous physical demand th- that it had on his body to be transported or to be given certain visions of uh, of these various things. It, it, it caused physical reactions. In Daniel chapter 7, it says that he grew pale. In a John, uh, in his uh, book of Revelation, he went into a deep sleep. It was like he went comatose for a while because of the demand upon his physical body was just so strong, entering into this other glory dimension. And uh, he couldn't stay the same. In fact, in Revelation chapter 10, uh, his stomach was made bitter because of what he had seen and heard. Uh, but and when he, when Paul says, I, I, uh, I implored the Lord three times. This means that he asked the Lord specifically. He asked the Lord uh, repeatedly three times, and and they they were specific uh, prayers. In other words, they were occasions of prayer. They weren't just just wishful thinking kind of prayers. They were specific things itemized out. And so he asked God to remove this three times. And God said no. And that sometimes is what happens. In fact, God said no to the prayer of Abraham when Abraham wanted Ishmael to be the son of promise. And God said no. Uh, uh, Moses asked for permission uh, even after he'd he'd been told he wasn't going to be allowed to go into the land. Uh, Moses still asked permission to go into the land with the people along with them. And after that, Paul says, you can take, I mean, uh, Moses says, you can take me after I get in. And and uh, God says, no, you're, you're not going to go in. You can see it. I'm going to take you to a high place. You can see it, but you can't go in. Uh, uh, David and the child that was born from Bathsheba was, was deathly ill. And Paul spent, that, I'm sorry, David spent lots of time in in mourning and grieving and in prayer about that child but but uh but the the baby died it died of whatever it was and and david went on and, and so god didn't answer that prayer uh elijah at one point in his career, he said, uh, God, take my life. Take me out of here. I'm through with this. Uh, take me home to be with you. And uh, well, God did answer that eventually, but not on that that particular moment. He raised up Elijah in, in that moment and fed him and nurtured him and moved him to a safer place and, and uh, made sure that he got strong again. But he didn't answer that at that moment at all. And so there are uh, other occasions, but th- this one being one of them, where Paul himself, uh, 
got a no answer. In fact, this is the revelation. These are the words he was given, and these are the words that he could talk about. This is the revelation. The other transportation event didn't come with any revelation except to Paul himself. He couldn't talk about it. Now he's given words to say, and so technically speaking, these these words uh, comprise the revelation that Paul could talk about because God said it, and he quotes God, and he quotes the Lord, at least, uh, he quotes the Lord Jesus. And he says, he's, uh, in verse 9, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. That was the revelation. You see, the revelation wasn't in communicating this supernatural transportation to the third heaven. The real revelation was the power comes from the weaknesses. When you come to the end of your physical strengths and abilities, and and uh, especially in this case, when you know that this can't be a physical strength of yours anymore, that you can stand before God's people without somehow them noticing this thing in you that's physical and material that causes them perhaps to to almost turn away and yet they listen in spite of it and they they respond to what you have to say in spite of it that is the power of God and so Paul says that's what he told me my grace is sufficient. It's not about you being perfect at all. It's not about you being strong at all. It's about you being weak. And then when you are weak, then, then the power of Christ may dwell in you. In fact, that word dwell in the Greek language uh, is, is only found in this location in the entire New Testament. And in fact, it's, it is found uh, uh, only a couple of other places. Uh, the historian uh, Polybius, uh, in uh, 201 to 120 BC, he used it twice to refer to the quartering of soldiers, the billeting of, of an army in personal houses. And so Paul says, that's when the power of Christ dwelt in me the most, was when I was the weakest and I had no power of my own. He, and he goes on to say, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults. He knew a lot of insults with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. And, and Paul knew that when these negative things come into a life in his, his life because of Christ's sake, not because of his own, his own irresponsibility, but because of the preaching of the gospel and because of the mission that he had been given to do. And in the, in the accomplishment of that mission, if he encountered these negative things, these insults, these persecutions, these difficulties for Christ's sake, then he knew that is the very moment that the power of Christ is taking up quarters inside of him. The most. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That is Paul's revelation. 
You see, there's a promise that we need to start claiming. Everybody's willing to claim this healing or claim this wealth or claim this prosperity or claim this success. Why don't we claim the contentment of walking with Christ in his power, even when we are the weakest? Then we find his power to be the greatest in us because we're not depending upon ourselves anymore. We're depending upon his power to take abode inside of us, to take dwelling inside of us because it's his power and not our own. Thank you, Father, for these moments together. Thank you for your words your words that came through the Apostle Paul to give to us this insight that my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weaknesses. Dear Father, may our weakness bring about your power. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.